All right, you have caught us in the process of already talking. My name is Jesse Dram. This is footnote number three. We're discussing Big Red Sun by David Foster Wallace. Joining me is a good friend of mine from the Sweet Heat. That's how you say it, right? Sweet Heat. That's the problem. Yeah, you have to put the 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 Sweet on it. Yeah. Sweet Heat <laughs> podcast. Oh, that's hitting the Reds. It is Rusty Wright. You're a friend of mine. How you doing, Rusty? Thanks for having me. Yeah, we were just talking podcast dynamics. Oh, absolutely. I was talking about how. Uh, I love that you are one of the most anxious balls of nerves and fury I've ever met in my entire life. Not yet, wrong. yet you, uh, you're so unabashed in your uh, creative endeavors that you're like, you know what? Fuck it! I so passionately hate this book that I'm gonna do a niche podcast and I'm gonna tweet it out to people who fucking need to see it. Like, right. I fucking love that about you, dude. <laughs> That you have that North Star of, like, I need to be good enough for myself and everyone who I want to like me. But also, like, fuck them, they need me. <laughs> Dude, if I have, uh, th- there are two things that have, ri- two principles that have written out my entire life. Number one is I am 100% hamstrung by technology. All right. 90% of my workload is waiting for my computer to catch up. It is terrible. Yeah, no, I'm looking at it. It's uh, got a coffee stain that is more defined than the Apple logo. (laughs) (laughs) And the Apple logo lights up, so. Funny how that happens. And the other one is uh, I feel like Homer Simpson summed it up very well. Why won't they let me in their stupid club for jerks? (laughs) I don't. Oh, uh, is that the one with the the stone cutters? Yeah, the, yeah. But like, all right, I can take this back to uh, when I was in high school. All right, fuck this. I'm I'm doing everything wrong here. I'm just in levels. Um, when I was in high school, there was a group called Ghoulstock, and they were like a punk rock group. They made they, Ghoulstock. They put on an annual festival in high school, and like they'd rent out the local VFW, and they'd have bands play, and they'd make all these skits, and they were hilarious. Ghoulstock. So wait, it wasn't music. It, wait, it was music. What? There was music because I'm hearing the Woodstock influence, but I'm also hearing this this ghoulish. Which which when did ghouls start? Just meaning spooky. I thought like ghouls were were, were murderers and rapists. I thought we had ghouls in the world. It was just a weird word. It was a weird word that they just latched onto, and it had a very like alt comedy feel. I don't think any of them are still in comedy. But um, I loved this group so much. I wanted to be doing because I was in like a heavy metal band, and yeah. it was a struggle to get guys. Can we put down the you know? Can we stop snorting pills for a minute and <laughs> write a song? Like, no, we want to live like we're rock stars already. Well, well, you have always been that uh, kind of like r- double down high school musical type guy. But instead of being like, oh, I'm good at basketball, but I really want to sing, you're like, oh, no one likes my one talent, but I really want to do my other talent. No one cares about. Yes, exactly. Well, <laughs> dude, that's you're why like, I, I want to do heavy metal and theater. <laughs> <laughs> Well, dude, that's why I started doing uh, writing songs again for this podcast, which has been so much fun. Getting a lot of response, really weird. Oh well, yeah, and you need that stroking. That that's that's your that's your uh, your joi. That's your jerk off instruction. Exactly. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> that's awesome, dude. I'm, I'm shout out to the fans. I hope I see you guys in the future. Yeah, Rusty's good people. Check out the Sweet Heat podcast. But basically, so this group from high school, I wanted to work with them so much. My cousin worked with them for God's sake, like making sketches and stuff. And every time I hung around them, you know what they were? They were a bunch of like 
mostly geeky, hipstery kids yeah. fucked around a little bit. And here comes this. Keep in mind, at the time, I I am coming to their house to make fun sketches freshly from voting for George W. Bush in my first <laughs> ever vote ever. Like, hi, guys, I have opinions on things. Surely you laid-back fellas could use an influence like me. Well, we're about the same age, right? That oh that election was so fucked for me. And we, we can get to the meat and potatoes <laughs> of this podcast in a second. That All right, as, as a kid... I literally I remember uh, the only thing I knew uh, about George W. Bush was that he wanted to build this pipeline that was through this one owl's habitat and the Democrats wanted to save that owl. And I remember just being a kid and being like, fuck, dude, this guy fucking hates owls. Like, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even understand. Listen, I'm just saying the anti owl lobby got my vote. That's what they got from me. <laughs> but uh, but you'll see, this has obviously gone into comedy since, where it's like, you know, we have certain friends who may or may not have the same last name as you in the comedy scene. Oh, yeah. Where I'm a little like, oh, I love this guy. Why doesn't he put me on anything? I oh. put him on everything. What Do, do I need to do hallucinogens? Mr. Also last kind, name? Kind, kind of. But also, <laughs> like, I, I mean, I have friends who don't, but he doesn't put me. All right. Uh, I, I was told by that person, uh, uh, hey, don't expect to be ending up on all these shows that uh, uh, I'm doing because I'm saving you for when I book Ari Shafir. And I was like, when are you going to book Ari Shafir? That's like, you, you know, but point being, Jesse, mm -hmm. don't don't fucking worry about what they're doing. Worry about what you're doing. They don't appreciate me. Rusty. I've done so many psychedelics with these people. We've seen each other's souls. <laughs> We we talked to the ghost of David Foster Wallace. We we bullied him, and that mm. uh, I don't get booked. <laughs> I'm trying to transition us back to to what you brought me on for. I what I mm. what I read a two hour. What I listened to and read. I have never heard of David Foster Wallace. Continue. Is that not his name? <laughs> no, that's his name. Okay, got it. Because uh, something about me, a fun fact is, uh, I actually have done mm. two burn oaths in my life. Uh, Can you say a burn oath? For, burn oath. For uh, the more square. That's uh, when uh, you and a friend put a cigarette out on each other at the same time to seal a promise. That's actually in the book. Uh, is it? Uh, in Infinite Jest, there, there is a character whose parents met. Apparently there was a chicken type thing done in their local town where two people would put their forearms together with a lit cigarette in between. And whoever pulled away first was the chicken. And this guy's parents... Uh, both have the scars from the day they fell in love with each other because neither <laughs> it, of them budged. It's like prove your parents love you, chicken. Like, ha yes. ha, you're not used to this behavior. <laughs> yeah. No, I, my two burnos. Uh, one of them uh, was with my best friend, uh, Duncan. We had a burnoth uh, that I would never see the movie Green Lantern starring Ryan Reynolds. Apparently, it's awful. Mm -hmm. uh, he really hated that movie. The other was with my ex girlfriend to never read Infinite Jest. But uh, I feel like this uh, this doesn't count. So no, this is safe. Why, what was her particular beef? I don't know. She just didn't like the book. Hmm. I don't know. Is there some, she really like House of Leaves? Is there some kind of beef between those books? Not, is it uh, like a Harry yeah. Potter for pretentious hipsters? You don't want to. You don't want to be a leafy going down an alley running into a jesty. <laughs> put it that way. Leaves and, and jesties are. <laughs> and then the gravity's rainbow kids are like yep. fucking uh, Clockwork Orange. <laughs> Little bit of the old in out in out. <laughs> God, why can I not get this fucking level right? Oh, uh, you know, I don't know. Well, this is quality content, so yeah, quality content. Dumb technology, technology working against me as always, my friend. That is what's happening. 
um, here. I think I have been. Yes, I have been turned. <laughs> I have been confused on who is who this entire. Oh, time. okay. Yeah, I should have. I'm the handsome one. Oh, that's how you that's can the, tell. You can hear that over audio. <laughs> so, buddy, we are here to talk about Big Red Sun. Uh, do you have any overarching thoughts before we get into just the details? Um, I uh, turns out I hate new journalism. Hmm. Um, I read this myself. Uh, uh, had you ever read this essay before, Big never. Red Sun? You never either. Okay, I thought you were fucking with me. Because just just like with everything else, once a month this man, Jesse Dram, calls me with a joke that starts with something about circumcision. Be it female, castration, whatever. And I pick up this essay, and it starts off about dudes cutting their dicks off. And I was like, he's fucking with me. And my cat wants to get in your bag, dude. Cats in the bag. Ah, there we now let's go. see if mommy's titties sag. Funny mm. games, great movie. Um, so yeah, no, uh, I can't believe we're 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 starting off this way again, dude. It's a new month, and here we are cutting off dicks. That's right. But, you know what? I actually picked this, not even realizing how much. Uh, and I haven't talked about this much on the podcast. I worked for a porn company for a period of time. Yes, a long time. You were working in in the, the porno biz when I met you, right? That's right, yeah. And I was uh, very, I one of the big memories of that was when I was the personal bodyguard for a night to a Mr. Ron Jeremy. He he didn't need that. You were the bodyguard for like one of his testicles. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, Full-time job. I mean, Lefty Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know when you run into a friend that's had a kid, like, oh my god, you're so big on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, looks it looks so much smaller on camera. Uh, this was this is back when he was only an accused rapist. This is before he was I, you I know, solidified. Rapist. <laughs> yes, this is back before he was knighted officially by the state of California as a rapist. But uh, that was when he was a legend before he was alleged. Yeah. Uh, oh, hey, oh. But uh, yeah, I, so I didn't even realize going into this. Like, oh, I know a lot about this fucking industry, and I hadn't even realized that as we were going into it because I just don't think about porn all that often. So uh, you you can look around uh, my studio here and and you see that I have uh, many uh, hippie memorabilia uh, about. You're, you're a crunchy guy. I'm a, I'm a bit of a, a crunch lord, crusty uh, uh, rusty in the house. Um, so I I'm familiar with something similar to new journalism, which I'm sure you are to Gonzo journalism. Right, and, the Hunter S. Thompson. And, right, and, and we, which I'm not a huge uh, 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 fan of. Hang on one moment. Yo, shut the fuck up. Thank you. So, uh, like I said, uh, I, I'm a pretty uh, not a huge fan of Hunter S. Thompson, but I felt that Gonzo journalism was like a critique of journalism in a way, mm. where where, where it, it, it was just as you know, uh, he talked in this essay about porn awards being a grotesque version of the Oscars, which are a grotesque version of awards. Mm. Uh, uh, Gonzo journalism is a grotesque version of version of journalism it, it's taking I get that. Uh, objectivity and it's taking uh uh you know impartiality completely out of it, mm. it it's inverting that into actually it's not me removed it's entirely through my lens and, and what i couldn't shake reading this fucking essay <laughs> was that he wants to be separate it's supposed to be this very camus Sar uh, sartrean uh, uh, absurdism existentialism where he's viewing what's going on around him impartially but he can't fucking separate himself and and and, and it's crazy to me like it, it can't, like does that make sense to you what i'm saying you asked for my overarching thoughts this is my my major thematic thought for the piece 
I just like reading about boobs. Oh, okay. Uh, did I go too hard? Did I misread? I thought I thought you were gonna get like I thought you were gonna be like the the, the balls were nice. Uh, the vaginas were a nice. I, I have notes on those. I have notes on balls <laughs> and vaginas. I have a whole notepad here. No, no. I definitely I, I understand. I thought you wanted me to critique the literature. No, no, no. <laughs> I, no I, I I understand where you're coming from. Like one of the things here's the thing that everybody forgets about Hunter S. Thompson, and I say this as a fan. Of Hunter S. Thompson. Hunter S. Thompson wrote two good things ever and fucking coasted on garbage for the rest of his career. Absolutely. And Gonzo, let us not forget, like, oh yeah, it was, again, it was enthralling to read once, twice, thrice. Exactly. But at the end of the day, it was put together because he was an extremely undisciplined writer who could not keep his shit together, so mm-hmm. he started faxing his notes back to Rolling Stone. It, it's the Grateful Dead argument. Is improvi- improvisational jamming super fucking cool? Is that super exciting? Or is that uh, that you can't commit to a song structure, that you, that you just want to noodle? Like, yeah. You know okay, what I mean? Well, people always leave that out with improv. Uh, well, improv music but improv like jammy kind of music where it's like you realize when they're like noodling around half the band is just playing the same thing over and over for 40 oh, yeah. fucking minutes yeah yeah B- bass and drums are just 69 and slapping their their junk together just uh uh yeah, yeah. but but I, I i i don't know i i you know i feel like a lot of this here is noodling though mm-hmm. and, and it's well it's a, a little a little note here that i actually missed the first time i saw it is that this is so this is so in the material, but disconnected from it. This was actually published under not only a pseudonym, but two under pseudonym, uh, uh, two different pseudonyms, as if two people. He's writing all this as if he's two people, and yet he is giving the personal opinion of like three quarters of a person. So, and I yeah. don't understand why that is. So, so, so this is a beloved piece, apparently. It's I, considered. I, I read a lot of his. Uh, I looked for a lot of top five best David Foster Wallace essays, and this was in almost all of them. Th- this is considered a triumph of, of modern journalism, like uh, in what it did. And, and I, I just, you know, I, I just doubling down on my point about him being unable to separate himself. And I'm just kind of jumping around the piece at this point, but we can go in order if you like. Uh, uh, towards the end, he's talking about. All right, uh, you know what? Let's uh, let's hold that till we get there because we do a oh, little bit. Are we, are we going in order? Uh, yeah, let's do a little okay, bit of a Okay, I have ADD. Keep me on track, summary. baby. Sorry. Well, it's, you know, I always try to do this with, like, a kind of loose format, but then it <laughs> shows... I know if we start jumping around, I won't get to any of my cool. notes. I won't be able to follow. Uh, so we start off with the castration thing. Every year, between one and two dozen U.S. males are admitted to ERs castrating themselves. Most report their sexual urges become too much of a constant annoyance, and this was their method of getting rid of it. If you go on the website efucked.com right now, <laughs> E-F-U-K-T dot com, and look up the word eunuch you will find some very pardon upsetting photos of some guys who had this problem and just like uh some of it did it entirely on their own chopping off their wee wees and and posing with it in a kissy face afterwards i I have the pieces in my head for uh it's all fun and games so someone loses an eye mixed with game of thrones mixed with loses your junk like there's a joke in there yeah there's there's, mm, something i finally i'm eye to eye with my one eye (laughs) there it is um no i i uh so this opening could you explain this to me because uh i interpreted it 
originally as kind of like the Miriam Webster's defines yeah. lust as being so horny you cut your penis off. I thought it was a bad place to start, especially since uh, the last episode we did on this was one called Consider the Lobster, which was all about a lobster festival in Maine. And what he does is he sets up these little hints all along, and only in the last quarter of it really reveals what the article's about, which is, isn't it a little fucked up we boil these guys alive? So it's a very frustrating for me seeing how skilled he can be, and then just going the opposite, like Webster's Dictionary defines in the beginning of this. Well, and, and you know, I'll have a note on that later, but I, I, I think that's a theme that I saw in this for like a structural perspective as well, is uh, uh, kind of this game of darts, where he uh, doesn't have the keenest eye, where he only sees the things that matter. He kind of like throws things around until he finds art. Where I feel like he meanders through examples until he finds the one that's like, oh, that's fucking potent, dude. Oh, yeah, that's one of the big examples I have in here. And actually, one of the things that tied it most to Gonzo Journalism for me is there's a wide swath of this article where he's just putting random unassociated details in, like, little two-sentence paragraphs, not commentating, and then moving on as if... Okay, there's a, I'm in your room now. Like, okay, there's a a, a, a boobed girl, uh, a, a painting. Paintings are weird. Don't you a lot of painters have been rapists. Is that something? I don't know. Yeah, uh, no, no. That's exactly how it felt to me. Mm. Uh, 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 reading through this, where where um, it, he gives an example from every single like casino hotel on the strip mm. until he finds one that's like, all right, cool, that's the one, dude. Let's fucking talk about it. it like, it definitely feels like I gotta hit this word count. So, so, so I think that applies, to, and and you're saying that's an overarching thing from the, the the lobster thing to this, where you're like, ah, oh, sometimes you're so on point, and sometimes you're so heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. Now, if there's one thing I can say, reading Infinite Jest, he is not consistent. Like, he will right. be in the middle of something like, okay, this is actually pretty amazing, and now he's doing that fucking thing he does everywhere that doesn't fit here. It's like, it's you know what? I'm going to make a weird analogy. David Foster Wallace is Zach Wild. Okay. Could you could you could you further said analogy? Is that not enough? Um, no. Zach <laughs> Wild, as you know, guitarist for Ozzy Osbourne for a long period of time. There's a video I've shown people before. It's a music video and song he wrote as a tribute to his friend Dimebag Daryl, the guitarist from Pantera right. that was killed on stage. And it's this very quiet ballad like in this river i lost your buddy when that psycho shot you and then out of nowhere there's the guitar solo <laughs> so and beautiful. it starts out as this really like very mournful and then out of nowhere zach wild can't help but zach wild and over this tender piano background just <laughs> we all grieve in our own way jesse <laughs> The point is, Zach Wilde, even at the least appropriate moment, can't help but Zach Wilde, and David Foster Wallace can't help but David Foster Wallace. Tiger got to hunt, bird got to fly, man got to sit and wonder why. Why, why, why? A better fucking writer said that. Kurt Vonnegut fucking <laughs> Hell yeah, bird. dude. Uh, high five, our, our culture. Uh, I'm going to go wash my hands. Uh, <laughs> we barely touched. That was fingies. I know, um, was a little bit. It was worth it, though. So we get a brief um, sojourn on the Academy Awards, noting the grotesquerie of watching an industry congratulate itself. Uh, the grossness we watch anyway, but nobody really enjoys. An unspoken conspiracy that we pretend to still like it. That it's funny when Bob Dole does a pizza ad. Celebrity culture rushing it, rushing to cash in while congratulating itself on pretending to not cash in, which we all know it just sucks. 
So did did he, he just inception us? Was this an opening into the opening? Because the argument is made, and I, I've seen it made online because I researched this shit, uh, that the whole point of the article is him legitimately offering solutions for cutting your dick off, or he's just like, this is the culture that creates that. It's far too obscene. I understand. <laughs> no, I've, this is a legitimate argument that is made. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, if there's commenters, then, you know, one's in the chat, baby. But, uh, uh, you know, that that's... Uh, I saw. I see this as a, a shitty double opening. I see this as a uh, one of those thresholds at a restaurant where you hold the door for your girl just to have her hold the door open for you at the next one. I hate it when they do that. Right? Women. Aren't women the worst? That's such a trick. <laughs> That's not true. Um, yeah, there is a little bit uh, to do the both, like, you know, lust is defined by bah, 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 men controlling their compulsions. Especially, uh, I, I feel like he doesn't dive too much into either of these themes, which part of it could just be there's so much to grab onto with porn in general, especially like, so, okay. In the time I worked in the porn industry, I only went to one like exhibition kind of thing, expo. And yeah, it's very different than just watching porn. It's the same thing. It's different. It's one thing to read comic books and then go to like a comic book convention. And then it's like just no fucking shame dressed up like an obscure character from a fucking Jimmy Olsen comic that ran for three weeks in the 60s. Right. And yeah, it, it, it it's a lot. It is a lot because porn, even as perverted as you are, I feel like porn still occupies a very pri- as much as anything in the modern culture. Like as comics, we talk about porn a lot. But okay. we're yeah. not really volunteering to watch porn. Like People are still not invited into those intimate moments with us when we're using porn for what it is. And then to go and see it all splayed out in public is jarring. Right. It's it's jarring because it's it's a different like level of pressure. Like it's a different like, you know, uh, uh, I, I, you know, a big theme in the, in this essay is that it's uh, the vulgarity of it all. And, and what is vulgarity? Because because uh, vulgar in its original context just means like something like extreme. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like like extremely popular is vulgar, oversaturated uh, uh, to the point where it's kind of shitty now. Well, um, I, if I can just give a little bit of a background on this, David Foster Wallace, a big thing with Infinite Jest that he was pushing for, keeping in mind that book was written in the 90s right. where like irony and meh, meh, kind of reality bites bullshit was very much in, where he was actively trying to push against that. He hated irony, and he kept wanting to push towards sincerity whenever possible. So even though I don't think he crystallizes that idea so much in this just because I have seen him use the word sincere a few times, I think there is a certain appreciation of the porn industry, as in, it, it, he says numerous times, it is an industry without pretension. You want to come, we're going to make you come, that's it. Like, nobody is too good to be here. But but do you read, so I guess you have more experience with the author, and you know, I don't know what's uh, stylistic versus mental illness versus just shortcoming as a writer. And, and uh, when when I see things like that in a piece like this, uh, uh, I, I I read it as condemnation, where where hmm. where um, he is intentionally juxtaposing the Oscars with this. There 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 is. I refuse to believe that an author, no matter how much you malign him in the title of your podcast, doesn't <laughs> understand the concept of economy. Mm-hmm. A- and there's no reason to add this theme of of uh, auto-castration 
throughout the thing, not just in the beginning. He does call back to it, although I wish he called back to it at the end. I was surprised that he didn't. But I guess that's kind of the new journalism style at, at the end of the day. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's moments in time passing by. It's, you know, not structured particularly. Mm-hmm. But, but, but the only reason to include that is if there is a fucking point. And so we can see that the Oscars are the foil for the AVNs, which leaves us with this third piece, which must now be the thesis right right so so he's saying that uh, our entire society he's juxtaposing one end of it with the other it is so obscene that like yeah like yeah i see where people are so overwhelmed by this that they cut their dicks off mm-hmm. that's that's what i saw him saying is is he never yeah. said watch this and jerk off and don't cut your dick off and he mm-hmm. never said watch the oscars and be uptight and don't cut your dick off mm-hmm. he said people cut their dicks off I saw this and I understand why, and I see this and I understand why. I don't right. know because there's what well, no, you're you're not wrong. There is something of the the, the worship of pleasure in there a lot, which uh, I mean, obviously runs a lot through Infinite Jest, where entertainment. The the whole thing with Infinite Jest is there's a film out there that's so entertaining it kills people because it just like it reverts them to a baby stage where like all their needs are being met by. That's what, what the book's being. about. The book is about a lot of things, Rusty. That sounds like sci-fi. That's I, I'm a huge Philip K. Dick fan. That yeah. sounds like the worst Philip K. Dick fan fiction. There's there's cool parts of it. That sounds like some Black Mirror shit, and I'm not into it. Like the Miley Cyrus Black Mirror. Like the American Miley Cyrus Black one. Mirror. I haven't seen that one. It's the only one my girlfriend's seen. No. Um, shit. All right, let me try to get through some more notes. Yeah, no, quick. sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. I, I, I had you here to talk. I have a jumpy brain. Um... Every January, AVN occurs at, in the least pretentious city in the world, which is Las Vegas. I, I think that was a nice little thing. Uh, we put in there, despite being an underground industry, that it brings in, and this is 1998 dollars, the porn industry as a whole brings in 3.5 to $4 billion per year, as opposed to Hollywood's 2.5 to $3 billion per year, often referred to as Hollywood's evil twin or its big red son. Um he throws a lot of random quotes in here. A quote from Tom Byron after winning Male Performer of the Year. I want to thank every beautiful woman I ever put my cock inside. Which just sounds like good manners yeah. to me. I mean, uh, fuck. I'll, That's I, good you know, etiquette. I'll be brave. Guys, I want to thank every beautiful woman I ever put my cock inside. I don't think I, this podcast would have ever gotten here today. With Actually, I think the podcast has more to do with the women I never got to put my cock inside. <laughs> I have something to prove to them, Amy. <laughs> Infinite Jess. E. Infinite Jess and frustration. Um, da, 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 da. Oh, I do like that they uh, have the dirty comedian MC. Oh, yeah. Which I feel like we've all seen. Uh, but but that's an interesting break in tone also, and I know I'm fixating on tone, mm-hmm. but like this is all the things happening around him, right? Yeah. Pure, genuine, unfiltered, just him re- being a camera and receiving it. Mm-hmm. So he, why is he talking about what happened last year? That's a good point, actually. That's a, such a shift in tone because he wanted to point that out because it bolstered his point. Mm-hmm. It, it's economy. You don't go out of your way to talk about something that's not relevant unless it's relevant. I don't know. I, I, I think he does a lot of backhanded things like that. And I thought it was interesting you point out the quotes. I wrote right here. This is like he would have killed it on BuzzFeed, dude. Yeah. This is like yeah. literally this is a BuzzFeed article about the AVN. <laughs> that's what this fucking is. Okay. So we have the dirty comedian, uh, the woman – Referred to every female performer as the woman I'm going the woman I'm going to cut my dick off for, which what sense does that make? 
I want to fuck this person so much, I'm going to cut off my own dick so I could, I mean, I guess to get over the thing. I don't know. That's not, doesn't seem like a good way to go around fucking somebody. And also expressed, every time I find a gray hair, I fuck my wife in the ass. And then following up with, fuck you guys, that's a good joke. Great line. <laughs> Woo, I've heard that many times. I've, I've said, said that. I've said that. I said that this week. Um, another for daddy. Uh, another comedian does a pantomime of fucking a halfway blown up blow up doll. Did anyone ever actually fuck those? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It's like fucking a beach ball. It doesn't look like. I don't anything. know. You ever like get a little scratch from like that seam on the beach ball? Ooh, I've always thought um, about it. Like, where's the seam on the blow up doll? It's definitely around the edges, right? Do they not seem the vagina? Like, I all right. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna do the yeah, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna be very honest with you guys. I'm gonna tell you something very vulgar, dude. So, uh, as a teenager, I may have had a favorite fuck thing. What? Um, that better be a misogynistic statement. That better <laughs> be you belittling a woman. You know, I, I I take it back. I'm not gonna talk about. No, this. come on. What's your favorite fuck thing? Um, so South Park was really big at the time. No. And they had these little plush dolls. No. And one of them, as a joke, just because I thought it looked cool, yes. was Kenny McCormick. No. <laughs> and uh, as a joke thing, I had a throwing knife my father had given me, rest in peace, Pops, that I had it posed that Kenny was laying flat on his back with the knife just in his face. Okay. And then one lonely that's, night, that's cool. I'm like, you know, that uh, that incision between no that hoodie opening there. Might it does have the lips? He does have the hoodie lips. Yeah, it's. Just, I I was operating on some kind of like caveman you DNA. Know, that your was, your badass fucking biker dad gave you that knife to like stab someone in a bar fight, right? Yeah, and you know you used it to cut a hole in a doll and fuck it, <laughs> face fuck it. He can hear that right now, dude. Oh, I've been pop. watching Bly Manor, dude. Fucking that that ghost show where ghosts have all like I almost said autism. I meant Alzheimer's. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> autistic <laughs> ghosts. It's like old people autism, Alzheimer's kind of. Uh, no, um, yeah, no. But your dad's stuck in that memory of you fucking your Kenny doll right now. I don't say boo. Boo makes me really uncomfortable. It hurts my ears. <laughs> I don't know how to do autistic ghosts. That's fun. <laughs> oh God. Um, uh, yeah, no, this is, uh, where are we at here? So I, I'm fucking you up, dude. Uh, I have right here, he notes the vulgarity of the AVNs. Uh, this is just a fun detail. Noting a popular award winner in 1983, Irresistible, has been misspelled on the AVN official winners list for 15 years straight. Oh, dude, you just skipped over my favorite fucking line in it, though, which is uh, when he talks about uh, one uh, porn theme is uh, best anal-themed adventure. <laughs> Another is best marketing in an adult film. Mm. And that, that juxtaposition, I thought, was pretty strong. I like that he didn't lean into it. He just named the categories. He, mm -hmm. he didn't, like, make a big deal out of it. I thought that was good example of new journalism. Oh, yeah. No, that's definitely a cool little, um, what we have. Oh, yeah. So he's just noting how everything about porn that you imagine, all the cliches are true. The typical porn producer is really the ugly little man with a bad toupee and a pinky ring the size of Rolaids. The typical porn director really is the guy who uses the word class as a noun to mean refinement. Um, yeah, so this is just something from my porn experience. I got to be honest. I was in it at a weird time where I feel like feminists were trying to, and I'm not saying feminists in a bad way, but they were trying to claim pornography. The, the, a the, little bit. The bi female for female shit. Yeah. For what's it? And, and, and not only that, but trying to like you know, well, if a woman wants to, you know, that doesn't make her a whore, even though it doesn't a little sense. But it, it's like you know, um, 
yeah, like this doesn't mean anything. No, some some, no, wo- some no. women are just that they're expressing their sexuality. Every porn star I had the uh, I had the chance to meet, not a judgment on what they had to do, but they were all at they were all at least drug addicts or horribly molested as children. Like there's not there there is nothing empowering I, in this. I, I think there's two kinds of porn stars. I, I think that one of them is a rarity. It's kind of like uh like you know, it, it's like that Black Mirror episode where uh, it's like the 15 million credits, and it's like we'll show you a couple of successful people so that you think you have a chance. Uh-huh. But most of them are there because they don't have a fucking choice. No, and, and, and that's the part that people want to gloss over. And, and it, it's like they, they think it's oppressive to tell an oppressed person that they're oppressed. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like, and, and, and no, no, like yes, it might be awkward to tell someone that they have it kind of shitty. But if you see your friend in a bad relationship, tell him to break up with them. Uh, you know, like, like, yeah, like, like, kind of shitty. Like, analogy, a, a big thing at the time was everybody was raving about James Dean. James Dean, who's the the porn star next door, because he's like, this this wasn't like some big buff dude. He was a little guy with a big dick that he fucked yeah. that he fucked rough, but he listened to women, and this was the feminist porn star. And a few of them actually made videos with him as uh, like amateur. Like, I'm so feminist. I made it my first porn star with James Dean, and I'm gonna write about it on Bustle. And you know know what least surprising thing ever james dean fucking rapist oh yeah yeah oh you just had to ignore all the fucking women in the porn industry saying actually it's not that great this guy's a little rapey ignores safe words but he's so cute dude it's it's fucking it's so fucking simple and i i feel like you know maybe i'm a piece of shit for saying it but like we are humans haven't existed that long we're super easy to behaviorally condition and you yeah. might consciously be able to separate the director and the set from real life. Mm-hmm. But so many times with the cameras on and the cameras off, they bleed into each other. Do you know how many real world skills I've learned from fucking playing Pokemon? And it's your resource management. Oh, I need a fire type to beat this gym leader. I need to make sure I save my fire type. Guess what? After you do that gym so many fucking times, you start to realize that guess what? You need to save on to what you need. Mm -hmm. It's such a little skill, but you pick it up. Mm -hmm. And, And when you're told that women respond to a certain thing because literally the director is making her, that can only happen so many times before you believe it, right? Yeah. Am I crazy for thinking that? No, no, you're you're not crazy because, like I said, the the thing I was getting into there is just my time in the porn industry was like, it is every like try every like scrub popular media tried to give like no, this is a filthy fucking business for at at worst bad people and at best really broken people with nothing else to do and they should have every right to go out and do that and not necessarily be judged for it but let's be fucking honest these aren't people i'm reclaiming my sexuality no these are people who were fucked by their uncle at a young age to the point that when they came to the right age their vagina or their penis had no value to them so why not make a buck yeah it it, it, it is literally uh the objective world is uh, comprised of all of our subjective realities mm-hmm. that we agree on and value judgments are a part of that yeah, we all agree that you know your se- sexual well-being and like you know your yeah, the gift of fucking someone is something that is uh, to be earned and protected and stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you fucking just 
don't believe that, if you don't agree with that, then guess what? There's an exploit right there. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, all right. You know, I'll, I'll take this a step further. Right now, the big thing is consent, and consent should be a good thing. But it is it, a good thing. But it also goes to the point where it's also like, well, anything two people consent to is fine, and that's where I'm a little like, eh, he's like, well, it's not hurting anybody in the short term. But guys, there's something not great to building a shrine and a monument to past sexual trauma and all you're going to do is feed that god for the rest of your life that uh, is not great psychologically i have a friend okay who uh uh they recently went on a date and the person was very communicative with them and was like hey i actually have another date like later this week with like a poly girl and like xyz this that and the third and my friend was so fucking hype that uh, they were on a date with someone who was honest with them and communicated. And, and it meant so much that they had that. And I'm like, all right, cool. I guess if you're used to, you know, uh, you know, scoring pretty low, that score, like, if you're used to Fs, then Cs are fucking awesome. You're now not only passing your average. <laughs> congratulations. How about we shoot for an A? See, like, I, I, I had about, a, I had. Because you deserve one. Because ah, you deserve one. Exactly. You can do that. I, a uh, female comedian, you and I both know, once told me that, like, oh, yeah, I hooked up. And this wasn't a person who didn't sleep around much. Like, I wish I had a male example. I'm sorry to our list, uh, the listeners, his listeners. Oh, well, who, uh, uh, male, men are stupid with sex, and by and large, most of us are just getting what, what we can get. Yeah. <laughs> There's a female comedian, you and I both know, who I remember was bragging to me once, like, I slept with the, this bodybuilder last night, this gorgeous man. I'm like, okay, why, why are you telling me this? Like, So we went out on a date, a first date, and it was nice. And then after, he was like, listen, I'll be honest. I don't think we'd really work out. This is I spent a lot of time at the gym. This is like my life. And that just doesn't seem like something you'd really be into. I'd still be down for a second date tonight, though, if you want. And because all the pressure was off of me, I had such a good second date, and we went home, and I got to have sex with this gorgeous man. It's like... This guy just told you you're not hot enough to fucking date, but I'll fuck you anyway. Yeah. And you just went and fucking spirographed it into whatever pretty picture you wanted to paint. Yeah, I, I, I think that um, there I, I think there's a fine line between saying, hey, we consent's good, we like consent, which is a true and real thing, yeah. versus putting it on a pedestal where because you were, you know, a, anytime we give... Uh, wolves a different form of sheep's clothing to wear, they're going to use that. It's just mm-hmm. a different tool. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to hide behind. You know, uh, even though we all mock the whole, like, I have black friends, I can say, and my girlfriend dates a black guy. There was a point in time where that worked. Yeah. Because whatever. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it, it's just another tool for pieces of shit to hide behind, I feel like. Uh, uh, Definitely. It's like, dude, what? Are you kidding me? I'm part of the anti-rape alliance. So, yeah, dude, I don't know why we have to talk about it. We should all God. be, I think, by virtue of being human, we should all be in the anti-rape alliance. We are so off track. I have one more thing on that. Just cause, So, obviously, Antifa has been something that has been real big in uh, the, the zeitgeist right now due to the George Floyd protests, and I support Antifa. That being said, individual Antifa people I have met are fucking losers losers and jerk offs <laughs> my name is still on a website as a rape apologist because i didn't think that this v- local venue should ban 
a a shock rock band that did really over the top shit and all it took was one really mentally not well guy he's known in the philly scene by the way he dabbled in comedy for a minute and uh, despite being so woke as to put me on a rape apology list turns out afterwards oh he was known for exposing himself to women locally yeah so uh, but the thing i i the dumb callback i always heard was like oh i don't like antifa like well antifa just means anti-fascist like listen your club can be called the ball lickers club but if half of you guys don't lick balls it's almost as if the name doesn't fucking mean anything yeah no that's what the proud boys did they picked a name that it's hard to make fun of yeah. because you sound like a silly twat but they kind of did last night when biden mispronounced it the poor boys <laughs> and i was actually like yeah that's good <laughs> I'm picturing a bunch of little Oliver twists. <laughs> Please, sir, I want some more tux. I want some more Western civilization. Is that the okay symbol or the white power? No, he just has scurvy. He can't move his hands. Yeah. I lost the two joints on my nubbers from frostbite. I did, I do. <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay, let's try. Uh... Yeah, shitty oh, art. you know what? We actually are on topic. So the whole AVN is an irony-free zone. There is an honesty and filth missing in other uh, ventures. A brief paragraph on famous suicides, several of whom were best new starlets. I also was going to mention August Ames, who was a very recent one. She did a post online uh, warning other stars, like, listen, so-and-so, this this actor, uh, we found out he's been doing gay stuff on the side. I don't want to work with him. He's trying to hide it. Gay actors have a higher propensity of catching AIDS. Hiding it's sketchy. Yeah. Hiding anything sketchy. And uh, Twitter came after her, but this is common practice, unfortunately. Which uh, I, I mean, unfortunately, we're dealing with the sheer mechanics of the way HIV is transmitted and the fucking hardcore fucking that it has right. to happen. But it's also crossed with the the uh, the social dilemma of like you know coming out and that being your right and X Y Z and like the pressure as like a man who's straight doing gay for pay to not like have his boys know that he he, he sucked a fatty you know it's just it's a it's a, it's a it's a working no but the AIDS thing is more important yeah. like you don't the AIDS thing's more important for sure exactly and well long and short a bunch of woke people on Twitter bullied her and she fucking hung herself the end so <laughs> um. Jesus the end uh, I'm, I'm an MMA guy and uh, I remember the uh, it's kind of unrelated I guess so maybe we shouldn't get into it but the Christy Mac War Machine thing oh that piece of shit. Dude, do you know what a suicide note said? Yeah. I, I think uh, about it every w- w- Give us context, Christy Mack and Warm. Oh, Christy Mack is a porn star who literally had, like, molds of her vagina made into, like, fucking uh, uh, fleshlights so that you could, like, fuck her pussy and shit. And, like, a, a, a uh, good egg, as we call her in the Dram household. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sharon's Karen. Um, so, uh, War Machine was the MMA fighter whose nickname was War Machine, but then he literally changed his name to War Machine. And then he went crazy and got kicked out of the UFC, and he became a porn star, too. And he started dating Christy Mack, but then he caught her with another dude, and he beat the fuck out of her. Like, almost to death. Like, 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 literally, like, her face looked like, uh, one of the poor boys tried to sew a doll together out of washcloths. Like, it was not a pretty sight. Dude went to jail, tried to kill himself, failed, then tried to kill himself, succeeded. Right? Didn't he succeed in the end? No, I thought he's alive. So. Oh, really? I thought he ended up killing himself. Maybe he's Keep just talking. I'll look his okay. Up. All I remember for sure, and it's so funny, it's so fucked up, but it's so funny. At the end of his suicide note, there's a, a little aside, a little PS to one of his homies from his gym where he trains, and it just says, Brian, keep alpha male shit alive, bro. Peace. And that's yeah. the end of his suicide note. Keep alpha male shit alive. I'm going to hang myself in my jail cell now like a true alpha. 
Sorry, I am at War Machine Disambiguation. Oh, people, I, War it, Machine. He's probably not dead. Still alive. Yeah, no, Tony. He's got the Tony Stark heart. Ugh. He's got the fucking the War Machine. What a shit. Um, I'm only gonna read this because I have a joke at the end. They talk about uh, <laughs> the AVN <laughs> is always telegraph. the uh, AVN is always scheduled to run alongside the annual Consumer Electronics Show in January CES, a big tech event with Steve Forbes and Steve Forbes and Bill Gates. Despite the CES disavowal of AVN, the most popular exhibition is the Adult Software Wing. Many starlets present for the AVNs will be exhausted for manning the CES booths earlier in the weekend. A double shift that exhausts their souls, as opposed to the usual double shift that merely exhausts their holes. Hey, that was pretty good. Was Guys, I'm giving you this content for free. Venmo at Jesse Dram. That um, was worth it. At Rusty <laughs> underscore John. It'd be funnier if you Venmoed me. Think about that. Everyone Venmo me and write fuck Jesse. We Don't. Were, if you love David Foster uh, uh, Johnson. Uh, no, I know his name. Wallace. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking Venmo me a penny and say fuck Jesse Dram. Yeah, uh, so Venmo Jesse John. <laughs> right. Dude, uh, so so uh, the CES thing fucking cracked me up because growing up, I watch. I'll, I'll blow through this, but I was watching G4. Their 420 special got me into smoking weed. I thought it looked hella fun, so I tried it. And I watched CES and E3 all the time. I thought their porn thing was going to do for me what weed did for me. It was going to up my sex knowledge and stuff. I was kind of skeeved. I was like, they spent like 20 minutes showing me like this pillow chair for like, you know, more comfortable doggy style sex. I'm like, dude, I'm more. That's, uh, called, that's called the Liberator. I'm, I don't know. I, I don't know how I know that. Oh, okay. That's a weird choice of name. Like, I feel like it was originally like a medieval torture machine. And they were like, yeah, what if you wanted to get fucked on it, though? Actually, I think I know where it came from. I think it was originally designed for disabled people to have doggy style sex. So it props them up. Oh, yep. It liberates you from your wheelchair and into a fleshy wheelchair made of your wife <laughs> there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i uh i just remember being like oh god no i'm still working on like having sex not making it more comfortable <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, just not being into it oh uh one of the stars of this uh, we need a little epilogue max hardcore is a porn producer he has a booth where one of his girls are masturbating with a riding crop he would end up in prison for obscenity for one of the few to actually go there because he presented his girls who were of age as being underage Oh, what a weird twist. Yeah, it is very weird for a mainstream pornographer to... I think he did, like, four to five years. Like, you can't find his stuff on the internet anymore. I tried for this. Wait, so they weren't underage, but he said they were? Yes. Like, you're not allowed to present them as underage either. But, like, he did very much, like, the pigtails and, like, the shitty, like, 12-year-old trying her own makeup for oh, the first time. You'd okay. recognize the guy if you saw him, because he's, like, a big, bald dude that always wore a cowboy hat, and he just face fucked i i think i've like seen that kind of porn before but i always he was just on fast he was on howard when the makeup was running uh, yep no, yep I'm kidding <laughs> uh see cum splattered girls too stupid to know better that was in the pamphlet for my community college um, <laughs> many starlets so heavily made up they look embalmed this is this is where it's just detail porn uh, I definitely rewrote this here. Oh, okay. 75% of all males in the porn industry have goatees. I wrote that as goats, and I was confused for a second. <laughs> that got me thinking, why do we draw Satan as Italian? Was it the Italians who drew it? They painted the ceilings and shit. Yeah, they just drew it as, they drew it as their father they were terrified about. <laughs> Fucking Giuseppe. God, I wrote a whole bit on how if we have to be racist towards anyone, it should just be Italians. <laughs> 
I don't know. It's not it's not there yet, but I stand by the principle. Get it there. I think it's a fun little bit. Just needs a little kick in the, mm. the racist tushy. Um, at all the booths, the starlets treat their fans with the best, with the rigid face courtesy of flight attendants and restaurant hosts. This part, this part is also like the hotel part, the part you just blew through, and this part coming up. It's all fucking detail porn. Like, I mean, it, you know what? The, the plus side for summaries is I can only grab the interesting stuff. <laughs> well, it, it, it's like Charlotte Bronte for like autistic bros. I, I fucking was not feeling it. Sure. And the, the thing was, what's so frustrating is he'll get to something that's like poignant. Like, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm sure I have some examples here. Yeah, I like the part where he's talking about uh, Bally Caesar's Palace in the hotel part. The granddaddy as big as 20 Walmarts, end-to-end, real marble and fake marble carpeting you can pass out on without contusion. That's great description. Yeah. Don't do any more. Fucking, yeah, your joke is way too long. You need to cut it. <laughs> like... I uh, have one here. He talks about Randy, porn star Randy West looks just the way a surfer slash mob enforcer would look. Again, as somebody in the industry, gotta let you know, best cum shots in the business and looks like everybody's stepdad. Oh, you're you're co-signing these shots. I am co-signing. Ropes. <laughs> Milky ropes splattering. <laughs> like and like one of those from... like bolas, like the, the Batman, like catch him on the feet thing. Uh-huh. Like, like he, he could, 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 could come you to the wall. You know what he's like? He is like Tom Savini. In that Tom Savini made practical special effects long before CGI, and you look back at those old things like it's amazing he made this look this good on the technology of the time. That is Randy West's come That's shot. So funny. Poor lighting, VHS, and it glistens the like the pearly gates. Flies out of his dick. Yep. <laughs> like fresh marble. <laughs> um. Okay, well, I like a little bit what he gets into here. Dave notes that it's str- it's uh, strange to shake the hand of people whom you know precisely what their genitals look like. To look at Jenner Jameson in casual wear and know that she has a tattoo on her ass cheek that says heartbreaker and a tiny hairless mole to the left of her anus. All right, so you like that? Yes, for uh, specifically what he says. In any other word, y- world, you'd have to be married to these people to know the intimacies about them. Uh, yes, the uh, I, I wrote that down too. The face you had to marry for. Yes, uh, to know somebody's cum face or their pubic hair. That's great because that's like, you know, as comics, we talk about finding something that's just like relatable, something right. you frame from your perspective but that other people can also latch on to. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the, the face you had to marry for part is great. Uh, I really don't like this thing he does with the Jenna Jameson part, and I'll get to it uh, even in greater detail in a little bit. Uh, he is projecting things that he knows and that he feels onto the reader. Mm-hmm. And I really don't like that. Just like he's constantly saying, uh, which your correspondence refuses to comment on. He's supposed to be neutral and impartial on this whole award ceremony, and, and yet he is, uh, like, yes, making a poignant point, but I, I don't know that Jenna Jameson has a mole next to her butthole. You know that, you fucking little creep. Just, yeah. you know, be a little creep with the rest of them. You're mm-hmm. at the fucking porn awards hanging out with dick filth. Like, <laughs> like... That's of the Boston filths, just yeah, so you know. <laughs> Great family I, there. I'll, I'll double down on this point in a minute, too. But no, it, it, it's that's him projecting onto me, and he doesn't get to do that in something where he's supposed to be just uh, a, a fly on the wall. Yeah, the only comment he makes there, I feel like he's... He's making the mention that most fans turn into quivering schoolboys by the time their lusty affection is directly in front of them, which I think is trying to... He's trying to make it like, oh, that's why they feel weird, because I know these people look like naked, but it's not... 
It's not a good connection. Exactly. I don't, I don't that, like it. That's on him. That's what he's experiencing. And yes, I'm sure some of them were. I was sexually, if you want to hear about me being sexually harassed, like a lot, go listen to the Sweet Heat podcast. Uh, mm. But uh, yeah, it just happened at work. And, and the fucking, like, I don't know, man. Yeah, I was fucking nervous. I'm sure some guys were. It's like these girls are like, you know, like, come fuck me in the bathroom right now. Like, you're like, ah, I'm at work. Leave me alone. Ah. Mm. But, but some of these guys weren't. What I know was he was, and he was able to put into words why, because he knows what they look like naked. Mm. You know, no one else said that. Right. He didn't survey anyone. True. True. Hmm. Hey, continue. Okay. Uh, porn's essence is flesh as a drug of numbing psychic pain, lasts only as long as it is viewed, similar to the hypo- uh, hypnosis of a slot machine. Not not bad. He's making points. No, um, I, I think that's actually a point that was probably more poignant in the '90s. It's something that's a little bit more played out in the post '90s, post heroin chic. Yeah. Know, with the knowledge we have now, uh, but you know, flesh is a drug. Well, uh, flesh represents being wanted here. Being wanted represents comfort, and addiction is fundamentally comfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that absolutely makes sense, especially in the context of being to wanting to be wanted so bad that you'll cut your dick off to make the pain stop. Like, mm-hmm. especially in that context. Yeah. No. That's him bringing it home to the dick cutting thing in a way. Mm. This is kind of like the the like the true getting to the point of the piece. I feel right. like. Um, I do like the little thing he has here. That uh, so again, we're talking about we're talking about urges. We're talking about comfort, and then we're also having the weird thing here now that uh, the exp- yeah, explicit line he uses: "Starlets in real life give the impression of a pinball illustration or comic book stepping out into the third dimension. These people are fantasies, and suddenly to see them in reality is jarring." Absolutely, though. It's like, I mean, could you imagine fucking I don't know the hardest drug you've done, but just imagine it and then personified as a person walking into your room and saying hello right now. <laughs> I mean, now I mean. I, it's maybe it's like a the color type thing like maybe it's some like fucking eldritch fucking like f- like floaty feeling that mm-hmm. comes in but like uh man I, I i totally feel what he's getting at here and especially like there's so many layers to porn in particular where it's mm-hmm. like whoever watches porn and follows the plot that they're giving you and really right. goes with the storyline they're feeding you and then beyond that i think who- I, I think that happens more often that, that that depends what niche you're looking for i mean no, I, you, like you honestly if something's... you're into if you're into fucking stepmom shit it really ain't nothing without the story well yeah but are you not inserting yourself you're not you know you're not you're inserting yourself but still it's it's you that she's caught looking up her skirt yes but but you know it, it, it's you're always going to put that's some right. of your own fucking That's right, man. That. My dad is away on business too often. I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking from my <laughs> Maybe I'm speaking from my own echo chamber where like like for me like porn wines, like I'm looking for a porno where the chick looks like someone I know. That's that's my specialty. That's why I I like... just need a forehead, dude. A good BJ video mm. with a forehead that looks familiar. That's why I go for amateur porn more than anything. Cuz for one thing, just the poor film quality, you look like more people. Yeah, and uh the odds are higher that it actually is that person. In the back of your head, you know. I that. have never. I have seen this so many times online. I have never seen a random girl I knew from somewhere turn up on a porn site. I work. I don't work. I play in the entertainment industry. I Lustifer. am not unfamiliar with Chatterbait. <laughs> I don't hate it. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't put money on it. But like, I'll wait for some creep to bid on something I like mm-hmm. and be like, "Yes, yes, my queen." Uh, <laughs> No, I uh, uh, so I, I totally uh, have seen some uh, some real lifers. It's all a girl I went to college with. Yeah, yeah. 
<sighs> I knew it was her too because the name was like totally something she would pick. It's like AIM. Oh, like you get God. to pick your screen name. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just like little hippie chick sucks big dick. And you're like, hell yeah, that would be your name. <laughs> 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 that's that's her away message. Uh, I like how we l- both l- just l- like l- kind of like sigh down, like we both like drifted off scrub style. Like, uh. <laughs> that was her away message. Little hippie chick is sucking big black dick. Right <laughs> Brb. <laughs> um, DFW rags on Jasmine St. Clair out of nowhere, saying she's not all that pretty. She has a cheap, unreal goth style, so heavily made up she looks like a crow. Uh, fun fact: She once dated ECW wrestling star Blue Meanie, who was briefly an acquaintance of mine, and oh. l- and lives like three blocks from here, from where we're recording right now. Um, she also was the gangbang queen for several years, three hundred sex acts with three hundred men in twenty four hours. Just saying, David Foster Wallace. Before you cast stones, you should know how fucking strong and stretched that wall, the, the, <laughs> that glass pane is you're throwing. God, Trump's engineers are studying those vaginal walls right now. <laughs> make I, make you a say great wall. You 300 dudes and none of them were Mexican? What is this technology? Okay, in <laughs> California? Come on. <laughs> um, that, that, that. David somehow finds himself in the personal suite of Max Hardcore to hang. Due to somehow. The, Somehow. Somehow. Yeah. Due to the nature of porn, there's a... Listen, I once wound up in the hotel suite of the Boondock Saints, pre-Walking Dead fame, and you know how we got there? My friend had cocaine. That's the somehow. Yo, can you turn that down? It won't pick up. Uh, Dude, cocaine gets you in anywhere. Yeah. It's the fucking key mm-hmm. to any door that shaped... Like a girl with dreads. That, that's, what, <laughs> that's what NES had, the cocaine key. That was like the game genie you pop in, and suddenly it works on everything. Uh, dude, uh, he knows how he found himself in a Max Hardcore suite. He wanted to be there. Yeah. And, and I'll just fucking say it. It's the thing I would try to say at the fucking beginning, because we're about to get to it. When he's talking about Taylor Hayes, right? Mm-hmm. And, and he calls her uh, Major League Pretty. Mm-hmm. And he says all about how Max says she's a consummate pro and like blah blah blah. People have nice things to say about her. He asked about her. He saw her, said that girl's major league pretty to himself Mm -hmm. and started asking about her. Like what what's that girl's deal? I want to know this about her. I want to know that about her. He's acting like he wasn't like prying himself into situations. Yeah. Bro, you wanted to get into Max's room because you thought that it'd be interesting either for you personally or for your story. Mm. You want to talk impartiality? Uh, do you have a favorite porn star? Doesn't need to be modern. I'll give mine. Why? Okay, you think. go ahead. Uh, my my little princess. I loved her so. Lexi Bell. Okay. Louisiana Southern charm. She looks a lot like a girl I had a crush on for a few years. That's that's a factor. Uh, there there's a girl I like. I feel like I'm gonna say her name wrong because I've never heard it said. Uh, Shaden Rouge. Shaden Rouge. I have no idea. Rogue. Uh, I don't know. She 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 does make mostly deep throat stuff, which sometimes gets a little too extreme for me. Mm-hmm. But like, she's a champ, and she looks familiar. Yeah. She just looks like I know her, hmm. and her name's fake enough that maybe I do. Oh god, my other. Oh, you know who's good actually? Who? Fucking uh, really like Sasha Fox. I just, all right, Sasha Fox, nice. She's got the almond eyes, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Nice angular cheekbones. Sucks a mean dick, and sometimes she does this thing where she'll make the dude come on himself. Like she'll like like last <laughs> second like lick his balls and turn his dick to his face and then <laughs> laugh at him when he comes on himself. Dude, I'm so into that. You like a little prankster in a girl, for sure, dude. <laughs> Have I ever told you the sexiest thing I've ever seen? Give it to me. On Chatterbait, I just 
tuned in, missed the big show from the super sexy chick, and she's just covered in cum, just covered in it. And she's like, that was the biggest one yet. I was like, oh, I missed it. Time to get out of here. And she goes, all right, before, we, before I clean up, what do you guys want me to sing tonight? Cast your tokens to vote. I was like, sing? What's what? going on? She's like, all right, dream a little dream of me. Sounds like that's it. This girl, naked, tits out, covered in cum, with the most beautiful singing voice I've ever <laughs> heard in my life, sings Dream a Little Dream of Me. I swear to God, I jerked off to that. Like, right then and there, I jerked off to that. I, I was, I, I, Dude, I was picturing, like, her in, like, a fucking cabaret, like, fancy-ass, like, cocktail bar. She's playing piano in the middle. And then she's just like, I want to blow you right here in front of everyone. And I was like, fuck, yeah, sing me a song, I'm just, cabaret I, I'm girl. just imagining Casablanca, the girl laying on the piano, singing covered, covered <laughs> in Nazi jism. Hell, yeah. Amateur <laughs> shit's where it's at. That's right. I don't I don't need this major league pretty. All I need is a, a, a nice set of pipes. Fuck. I'll, yeah. I'll pipe for pipes. Uh, Max is one of the leaders of gonzo porn genre, which we've discussed a bit here. Always a host talking to a handheld camera. Max approaches his stars as a degenerate leering uncle to an underage niece. Wouldn't work out very well for him. Um, the illusion of pulling in an amateur from the crowd, though just an acting professional. We still have that bang bus, although I know that reference is like 10 years old now. <laughs> um, David notes the AVN award on the shelf and asks Max how he won it, to which Max replies, I fucking stole it. <laughs> the engraving on a closer inspection is a rudimentary scratching of Max's name. <laughs> After always presenting and never winning, Max stole a blank out of a box for himself, figuring he deserved it. That's um, fucking amazing. Oh, important note, David Foster Wallace fucking lies about an actress that has valves on her implants that she can inflate and deflate at will because David Foster Wallace is a Midwest fucking liar and you're a bunch of rubes. There's no way that's a thing, right? It's there, There's no way that's a thing now, let alone a thing in 1998. I don't know. I feel like they tried for some weird-ass inventions back then. They probably looked terrible. They probably looked fucking terrible. I feel like that was a a, a, a standard of they probably every... They Kung Fu grip. They came to the middle of the whole <laughs> thing. like clamps. I feel like it was a standard of sci-fi films at the time, where it's like, it's the future. Ooh, big day tonight presses a button, and her tits just inflate. She actually had holes put in her back. There's a puppeteer who sticks his hand in, like one of those Halloween feel the spaghetti things. <laughs> there you <laughs> go, yes. It, who, who was it but a young Jeff Dunham there, puppeting, <laughs> puppeting these young porn stars. <laughs> oh, my God, your tits are perfect. They're like yeah. tightly balled fists. I'm just glad. Had to have just a hand up me for a change. Waka. Fuck, dude. On a, great. on a, this isn't my first time on a stick. <laughs> Born stars are puppets. Woo! And Jeff Dunham's fucking us all. Yeah. The women in their plastic surgery seem more like a mad magazine spoof of sexuality than any reality. Uh, DFW figures Max Hardcore is a psychopath. Goes out. He hands out a copy of Icon Magazine doing a profile on him, and the guests are expected to flip through and compliment him on it. A starlet. Uh, this is psychotic. A starlet complains she's hungry, so Max ushers the entire entourage and her to a restaurant, loudly declares he wants to pay for all the girls' damages in advance, shoves the money in the maitre d's tux, and then everybody just leaves the girl there by herself. <laughs> that's fucking. That's a flex and a weird one. That was a flex before people were like filming everything. Like this was this had to be written down by some like dweeb who like sounds like who who has the brain of someone on acid, but like none of the coolness of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Max also passes around a piece of paper that was written on with a magic marker in an actress's anus, surprisingly legible. Uh, he makes a note: Max never laughs at a joke he hasn't told himself. Oh, I know people like that. It's fucking gross. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
It's kind of gross. Uh, oh, you just said that. So all I did was repeat what you said, but with like a weaker inflection. That's fine. It was a good thing. Um, da, 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 da. Somebody makes funny the comment. It's funny. It's called adult. It's really about being a kid again, rolling around and getting dirty in the adult sandbox. I don't agree with that one bit. This is just these are the random quotes at the end that we're getting to. Yeah. Industry journalist says it's the new Barnum. Nobody ever goes broke underestimating the rage and misogyny of the average American male. That is a weirdly intuitive thing from a fucking porn journalist in the late nineties. I. Don't know that, you know, I was old enough in the 90s to, like, have more of a grasp than, like, what I know from pop culture, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, I was born in 93. Uh, Is that an astute thing? I feel like that's just kind of... I feel like for 1998... That's just always been the factual world that I lived in. Like I feel my like... My dad used to cheat on my mom with hookers and shit, like... Well, your dad was awesome, but that's what science... Uh, um, no, for a, for a porn journalist in 1998 to be saying... To have that kind of nihilistic cynicism, like, I feel like that, that it, it, it's like the drug dealer mentality. Like, yeah, it's, some people are going to OD on it, but they're going to get it from somewhere. They might as well get it from me. Yeah. So it's a little bit of that. Nobody ever goes break, broke, overestimate. Like, yeah, these guys fucking hate women to the point that they're terrified to approach them. But, no, like, I, I, so, I, somebody's going to sell it to them. Testosterone, so, it's like fucking, it's crude oil, dude. Like, they fucking, like, drilled into some guy's balls, and they were like, oh, my God. Yeah. There's but again, a lot of cum in here. He'll but, buy anything. But to be that intuitive in 1998, because we're, cause we're not far out of the out of the moral panic of the 70s, 80s, and early 90s, where these guys have had to defend the industry just to make a dollar. So we're very, very barely outside of it to to say that at that point and acknowledge, like, oh, yeah, no, this is a horrible industry. was, I'd say, very unique for the time. I could see that, I guess. I uh, Obviously, it had to have gotten to the point to be as bad as it was where no one was noticing it. It just feels so obvious to me. Like it feels yeah. so like like things like rape and abuse have always existed where women have barely been women for most of being women. You know what I mean? Like, wait, what? In terms of like the rights that women have had, like oh. how, women have spent more time as property than as citizens. Yeah, I, I, I you know, it, it seems pretty obvious to me that uh, that dudes are pretty fucked up when it comes to boners. Mm. We pretty much always have been. Yeah, boners make you do bad things. It'll it'll make you face fuck a South Park character. <laughs> I really thought you were gonna fuck Cartman. I don't know. He just seemed like he he's got the bod for it. You know, I always dated skinnier women. That 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 yeah. fat ass. Even even then, didn't do much for me. <laughs> I've only known you to date girls in wheelchairs. So it's just the one a few times. <laughs> um, that that one girl who left me to uh, go lesbian full time, go pro. Uh, she was actually she <laughs> was actually, called up to the majors. Yeah. <laughs> She was actually high functioning autistic, which I'm not saying as as an insult. I'm saying like she actually was. And the weirdest thing about that is, you know how like you and I are talking right now, but we're like looking around the room. I've read things where like men tend to make eye contact less with other men, whereas women will like look into the depths of your fucking soul, asking what restaurant you want to eat at in an hour. <laughs> women are cowboys trying to lasso onto your brain, dude. Exactly. But to be dating a high-functioning autistic girl, it was so weird carrying on full conversations with a woman who just would not look at me. <laughs> Yo, wait, speaking of lady lassos and women who won't look at you, congrats on your engagement, bro. I forgot. Thank you. I mean, I texted you. I said I love you. I want to plan your bachelor I think party. You, did. you do need to plan my bachelor party. I can be a part of planning your bachelor party? I- you, you plan my bachelor party, and Neil can pay for it. Oh, that's great. Neil has a job. That's right. <laughs> 
and he's <laughs> so tall. He must have found some money up there before it got to me. That's what I always think. Oh, yeah, no, that, that, that's a thing only tall people know, <laughs> that all the wealth is actually hidden in, like, drop panels and seals. <laughs> that's, where, that's where you want to talk about the 1%, that's, that's where they keep it. Neil's just walking around looking fucking above your ceiling fan. This is, of course, Neil Wood from uh, Footnote Episode 2, Consider the Lobster and Tall Man and Money Thief. Is Consider the Lobster really good? It's worth reading. I think uh, his essay work I enjoy much more than his novels. Have, have, have you seen the movie The Lobster with Colin Farrell? I have. It's completely unrelated, but oh, it's Oh, I awesome. really love that movie. So I thought for a second maybe, like, sometimes I, I think, like, David Foster Wallace was just like... saying, like, check out this cool movie. Consider it. No, <laughs> where yeah. where where if you don't if you pretty much the basis of the Some lobster in twenty years the basis of the lobster is if if you can't get laid you get turned into an animal. Yeah, it's fucking sick dystopian love story. It's fucking awesome, and Colin Farrell's great, and Stanley mm-hmm. Yurgos or however the fuck you say his name is a great director. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I I've recently been coming to terms with this idea that like everything contributes to like the zeitgeist and like some things you can boil its influences down very directly to like two or three major things Mm -hmm. but some things like they take from all over the place and like for all i know as much as i didn't really care for reading this essay and as much as i'm not allowed to read infinite jest like (laughs) maybe him doing the lobster put the story of the lobster out there which led to the script being written you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. like just from talking Ah. about lobsters in general maybe maybe that director maybe that director had that idea in mind but thought like ah that's not that good but then consider the lobster just kept popping up into his world synchronicity and that was the motivation he needed to go you know what i think i will consider the lobster as my next project hey is that a, is that a good clip to end or did we not finish the essay i really started uh, trailing off towards the end of reading it, it we're, was we're, so we're, we're, long, we're, we're close bro. to the end it's so long it is i don't i told you i didn't realize this the was chat if you kind of like started speed reading in the middle <laughs> Um, ooh, fun little detail. Many of the men in the industry are surprisingly short, five six five seven. That is true. The industry secret is that a six inch dick or a six and a half inch dick on a five foot six guy looks fucking massive on film. Good to know. I'm All gonna, about I'm proportionality. Start scaling people up with the lamps in the hotel room, like just to feel like. <laughs> Um, da, 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 DFW is heartbroken to discover a cash bar. That's not even important. Legendary pervert oh, Al Oh, no, no, no. Gold- oh. That was important because he complained about uh, his club soda and lime being shitty. Bro. Yeah. And I had to pay for it and none of the waiters speaking. And they did the change wrong. Like, yeah. shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. How dare you conflate that with this? These are hardworking men. Ignoring all these uncovered women. I'm a fucking waiter, dude. Fuck that guy. The waiters <laughs> had to do all cash for fucking tables of nine during a fucking award ceremony while there's titties Nightmare. on stage? <laughs> Fuck you, bro. You're an ungrateful piece of shit. Hell yeah. Uh, legendary pervert Al Goldstein of Screw Magazine gives a speech intoning to the crowd as my fellow Menza members and Shakespeare aficionados. And I want to thank my mother who spread her legs and made all this possible. I include this for a specific reason. Al Goldstein is one of those great guys who knew he was a piece of shit. When uh, Linda Lovelace, the star of Deep Throat, she went on an anti-porn crusade later. When she died, good old Al Goldstein wrote an article in his magazine that he was glad when he interviewed her for Deep Throat. He, she blew him and swallowed so she could take his load to hell with her. Damn. Legendary scumbag. That's fucking great. Yeah. Uh, so my mom is a uh, therapist, and uh, I can't wait to see where this is going. She, uh, 
she told me this one, uh, you know, obviously no names or anything, no details that would ever give it away. Um, but she was telling me she was doing this therapy session once, like, uh, when I was like a very little baby, uh, and, uh, she was so happy to have just had me and she, she loved me so much. I'm her firstborn. And then she goes into work and this dad, uh, says to, uh, uh, uh this, excuse me, the dad, mom and daughter are having a therapy session and the dad and the mom are fighting and the daughter's like, I wish I was never born. And the mom goes, me too. I should have just swallowed that nasty fucking load and says that right in her daughter's face. God damn, dude. Yeah, it's, uh, and she told me and she was just like, God, it just like, it made me like really like put in perspective how, you know, how much I want to provide for you. I'm I was like, son, how happy I am. I son, know. I'm glad you went in my cooter. <laughs> well, I'm a sperm donor, baby, so she wasn't oh, like right. drinking from the nozzle like a hamster, <laughs> dude. Like like the fucking fat white trash kid at the Slurpee machine just snuck in and fucking. Woo, got to make sure it takes. Yeah, no, fucking, uh, that's brutal, dude. Yeah. Take it, take my cum to hell. Um. Okay, uh. At the show itself, a film called Satyr, as in Pan the Goat God, is repeatedly mispronounced as Satyr. People repeatedly forget which side the exit is. Some winners give anti-drug speeches next to presenters and co-stars clearly coked to the gills. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, That's better than seeing a rock star just fucked up. You ever seen a rock star, a guitarist just rolling his tits off? Yep. Yep. It's fucking amazing. There's a great video of uh, Duff McKagan and Slash from Guns N' Roses accepting some bullshit award. I think it was like the American Music Awards, the ones you forget. And they're just sloshed <laughs> and just curt. Like, this is back before the delay. Just like, so that's how you guys are fucking award. You fucking best, best, best. Said a lot of words I'm not going to repeat now because it's 2020. <laughs> um, some winning titles. Anal Food Express. President by Day. Hooker by Night. Triple Penetration Debutante Sluts 4. Now, I know you've watched these kind of films professionally. Have you ever, like, like, I've ne- I think, like, maybe twice in my life have I seen an actual, like, cheesy title porno. Oh, that, dude, one of my favorite things was one of the production companies we got DVDs from that we would upload onto our site were Japanese, and the only English on the box was clearly just a Google Translate. <laughs> one of them uh, actually one of them came up in my memories today and uh the title was just fuck me i'm deaf that's a fucking great and one of the japanese titles was cover me with milk before fucking me all over my titties <laughs> like they're out there they're great <laughs> uh i've seen uh nailing palin because i i thought it was gonna be funny it was pretty mm-hmm. funny it wasn't that funny uh, Dude, there was a, she made a sequel to that where she fucks Trump, and it's amazing. That sounds funny. I'll probably check that out. Yeah. And uh, the first ever weird name porno I ever saw it was one of my first favorite porn stars. Can't remember her name, but I know she has bear claw tattoos on her titties. Eve. Eve from the Rough Riders. <laughs> <laughs> You had me thinking had for a him. second, dude. <laughs> no, it was called uh, Paste My Face 4. Never saw the first three. Didn't mm. need to. <laughs> Dude, okay. I'll give this brief one because it comes in there. Uh, my in there? my porn job is what ended once and for all the relationship with the handicapped girl. Really? So we were sp- for Valentine's Day. I said I'll do a- an article on couples porn, and me and my girlfriend will uh, review it. And she just never got around to it. Like, just had a bunch of shit happening. So I ended up just writing it up as if it was both of us. And she was under like. 
uh, a pseudonym as opposed to her. Well, her real name wasn't her real name either. But so she was under a double pseudonym. She was David double Foster Wallison. Yep. <laughs> she was DF Dublin. <laughs> uh, her name was actually I liked it. It was uh, Fiona Thermopylae, but I put like a bunch of Takashi Six Nine X's in there, <laughs> which he wasn't around at the time. But so I just did it and put it out there. As, oh, me and my girlfriend watch because sorry, honey, I have a fucking deadline for smut. And uh, one of the gags I had in there, it was something like you know. Dirty Drippin' Dicks 9, and I had her character in it say, but I won't be able to follow. I never saw Dirty Drippin' Dicks 1 through 8. Oldest joke in the book. Yeah, it's from uh, a 40-year-old version, isn't it? Yeah. This girlfriend said, you're making me look stupid. Like, I don't know. Like, you need to change. You need to take that name off there. I'm so mad at you, you right now. You told them I saw the beta prequel. You told them I saw (laughs) Dirty Drippin' Dicks 0, okay? I was on set. I didn't (laughs) need to see it alive. And that uh, that fight was so ridiculous. I was just like, I need to move out of here. Yeah, and that's a pretty bad one be- because, like, it's also just like n- it's about the wrong things. I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, let's wrap this up here. Max Hardcore doesn't win a single award. Uh, Jim Buck wins Gay Performer of the Year, and everyone perks up when a four foot ten, twelve oh, year old yeah. boy appears on stage. Uh, Jim's little brother is accepting on his behalf as Jim is at a Shakespeare festival in New Orleans. The boy says he taught Jim everything he knows, which is great fucking line. DFW is tormented at the bathroom ner- urinals next to two male porn stars trying not to look at their hogs. They discuss a 19-year-old Russian auteur with no English they have big plans for. Like the Oscars, the big awards are at the end. Also, every year at the end, the starlets pose for lewd photos with the ra- waiters, who are visibly thrilled. As they leave, Dick Filth has his hand on DFW and compatriots' shoulders. Filth shouts, we have the XRCO awards next month. They're not rigged like this, but they're just as ridiculous. I hated that closer. Yeah, it really just kind of stumbles off at the end. Yeah, it it it's, it makes me wonder what he got into that just ended it there. Like, what does he get into after? Did he just get in his car and go home? Apparently, him and the writer who is also him uh, but, just but, got and drove away. You couldn't finish it with, like, I finished my shitty uh, club soda and lime and on the drive home decide maybe i'll keep my dick like just wrap it up in a nice little bow <laughs> yeah i feel like he either should have done like he should have either gone with a format of this is what i learned and here are the events that led to that or just show the events as they happen and then do a summary at the end instead like they're peppered around and like nothing's really tied up and... it, it, it felt like uh some like memento about some perv just like at a fucking porn convention like it was yeah. all like ass backwards and uh you know, I, I again, I don't know what of it is stylistic and what of it is, uh, you know, a failure and what of it is, is uh, mental illness, which apparently is a huge influence in his writing. Yeah, um, I, I don't, I'm also curious just the fact that it was written under a pseudonym. Like, did people at the time not know this was him? Because was he trying to appear like somebody else? I don't even know what Premiere Magazine was. I should have looked into it. Uh. Maybe, um, maybe he knew it kind of sucked, and uh, it's weird that everyone liked it. <laughs> maybe. That's what I would do. I, I don't know. Uh, I do have one more note that we kind of skipped over that I want to get to specifically. Um, uh, okay, was an American film magazine in uh, based in New York City between 1987 and 2010. So, there. There we are. Yeah. All right, um, so what's your final note? Uh, David Foster Wallace uh, is a racist. 
is a uh, literal racist. I spoke a lot about word economy on this episode. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, everything, every single fucking letter, every punctuation has purpose and meaning because there's word economy. Mm-hmm. And he went out of his way in his list of details to, I believe, twice in the essay, talk about like Asian people bustling around. He's really coming at the Asian community hard. I, I, I think I have a quote right here. Oh, um, okay. I believe I took a uh, screenshot with my technology. Um, here we are. Asian businessmen move through the aisles in dense, graceful packs and are assiduously cheery and polite. Dude hates Asians. See, here's the thing. I got so used to his, uh... Uh, this bit kind of fell flat. The whole, the whole thing was (laughs) I wanted to have like a really serious discussion where I talked about literature and made your audience think I was like smart and onto something. And then I wanted to close by just saying that he uh, hates Asians. I think uh, you come across as very smart. You know, now literally he has a lot of, uh, his, his racial stuff in Infinite Jest is almost all towards black people. There's an early chapter that's all in Ebonics, and it's fucking embarrassing. Like he tried to write in Ebonics? Yes. From a character we never see again. Might be lingering in the background somewhere. But it is literally, like, written at, like, Wardine Mama says she gonna come down, whoop her ass, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, fried chicken, sign the family stone. Like, it's bad. That's, uh, uncomfortable. Yeah. That's uncomfortable. And people defend that? Uh, some people, I, I have actually heard some people say, although it doesn't work, that the real, the true context of that was, uh, he had taken a course in college where they talked about the importance of writing in people's legitimate voices, and he turned that in as a parody, like, well, this is what you asked for, but this came from one solitary person really trying to defend their idol, and I've heard nothing of it since. I just, like... This maybe I'm tainted by like you know people who were influenced by him that I met like previously in my life or something. But to me, all this shit screams of like some fucking pretentious kid who heard about like uh, Duchamp like erasing his own drawings or like turning in like a fucking urinal under a pseudonym, and uh-huh. they were like, "I'm gonna do that. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna write Ebonics and do all sorts of crazy shit because art's meaningless because everything is absurd." Like. And someone who just, like, really fixated on that. Mm-hmm. And, and I I guess, uh, dude, I wanted to, like, get from you, because I know you've been on this whole journey with this. Like, why this guy? Why is he I so important that I have a burn oath about him? What's his contribution to literature? I what can tell his, you. What's his influence? Um, what his, his big thing is amongst his fans is, and I've met a lot of these people, have you ever met a person that has a lot of raw intelligence but no matter what they do, cannot focus it in any direction. It's kind of like me, I think, but yeah. Well, a lot of people love David Foster Wallace because the only thing he really has going for him is he is super smart and knowledgeable on things, and he's going to do everything in his power to make sure you know that. So if you're a guy like him who was bookish, and he also, in the book, uh, Infinite Jest, does talk a lot about depression and anxiety and like yeah, crippling anxiety like there's a whole thing in there about a weed dealer who's so uh, not a weed dealer a marijuana addict who is so like stuck of where he is that he is agon- he's agonizing on like how do I get weed from this weed dealer without them judging me for getting weed like and creating a whole thing like well I really wanted lewds but you know there's no lewds so I figured ah well I know she always has weed and like bending over backwards to avoid any kind of judgment right so it's a mixture of that thing and an also a genuine like 
I feel seen. The reason this book doesn't affect me and I'm not charmed by it is other people got to me first. If you skip Hunter Thompson, if you skip Kurt Vonnegut, if you skip Tom Waits and a lot of like emo bands, mm-hmm. and you find David Foster Wallace first, and he's the first one you hear saying that, I understand why people are enraptured. Okay, that that makes sense. I mean, like I read like The Stranger by Albert Camus when I was like fourteen, and like I really went like nobody heavy. who loves David Foster Wallace read Camus first. I can say that with yeah. confidence. So like it all feels kind of trite to me, in, like where I feel like echoes of like existentialist and absurdist mm-hmm. theory, but like it, it just feels so like I don't know. I I, I guess what I'm getting from this is that it, even though it's topics that plenty of better artists have uh, handled. Uh, more aptly, uh, maybe it's his plain speech, mm-hmm. and that that makes it more relatable for people where where they they can connect with it. I guess mm-hmm. uh, c- well, I it's, it's it's hard to say because one thing that is not in this article but is present in all his other things is he throws around ten dollar words like oh. nobody's business. Yeah, I don't think this I, is I think particularly. I knew every word in this. As a matter of fact, I think this might actually lean towards. Uh, one way I was thinking where I said, I wonder if he wanted people to know he wrote this and why he did it under a pseudonym. The fact that he didn't have that. I have never read a thing of his where he wasn't throwing in like compound German verbs and shit no, like I, that. I, I, I genuinely think I was joking when I said that he thought it was bad. But I think that it ties into my point that he was not proud of this experience. Mm-hmm. I think that he saw like that a bit of him like lean more towards like a shameful aspect on the porn industry with it, and he I don't think he wanted it attached to himself. And also, I think that he was kind of a pussy, and he didn't want to be associated with writing about pornography because you know it sounds like he took a great de- uh, deal of care in pretentious work and you know Mm. this is a fairly unpretentious piece despite me kind of lambasting it a bit Mm -hmm. Uh, it's uh it's 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 a guy again knowing he comes from that intellectual academia background he is kind of looking at everything anthropologically a little bit like there's no there's no indication that he identifies with these people even a little bit. No, the on, opposite. Uh, uh, he unless it's like says, I refuse to elaborate. I refuse to comment. Right. So all, all the, the only the only shared universe that he will even comment on is just lust and ur- urge as an abstract. Yeah. Maybe I'm tainted by by this little burn on my knee, but I I don't know. I I I, I just felt like. Uh, he kind of decides things mm-hmm. uh, that aren't necessarily these universal truths and explored them as such. Uh, it, and it only slipped out in little ways because this was a pretty objective piece for the most part. Um, but, but when they slip out, it just kind of makes me question the whole tone, I guess. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's my thoughts on Big Red Sun. Yeah, guys, that was which, Big Red Sun. Which I studied a lot. I'm going to have to erase some of this. I have limited hard drive. <laughs> Dude, I was... Uh, the oh, the only thing was, I wish... We tried recording this yesterday, but we had tech issues. I was scrambling Wednesday night to finish reading this. Because I not only... I, I fucked up because I write my, uh, my wrestling blog Wednesday nights as it's airing. So I had to do that and then write this and then get the whole thing down just for the next day. <laughs> like, oh, again, man. technology fucking failing me. Yeah, no, it was nice. I got to watch a video on it last night. So, like, I I, I actually... Wait, do you think it was him reading it? I don't know. 
Um, I can tell you that very quickly. It was a picture of him with uh, a guy with glasses and long hair and a beard. He kind of looked like a beautiful mind. Like uh, I mean, Lyman it was shit. a picture of him, but I think I know what you're talking about. It wasn't like a video of it. It was a no, static it was an audio image. recording. It was a static image, and there were sides in it that weren't in the original thing you sent me. Yeah, there were like annotations you could pick up. I had like a whole fucking list of notes on things that weren't actually in it. Yeah, this is what I watched. It was sexy. It has porno music on. First person plural pronoun that gets used throughout. This piece was originally published by pseudonymously. Sex literature. No, and okay. every every I, I, time I something every time something sexy happens in that, they bring the porno music back. It's kind of sick. Shit, I kind of wish we'd put that in the background of this entire conversation. Hey, you that's know, splice late, it huh? in, baby. All right, well, that's our thing. You got to get to work. Can I you get us out piss. on the porno music? Can, can you take us out on it? Sure, why uh, not? Oh, you're gonna do it manually. All right, I don't know. Uh, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. I'll put. Actually, no. The whole thing with these footnote episodes is I don't have to do any editing, and it's the best part. All right, it. well, follow so, me on Instagram, Twitter, whatever at rusty underscore john. And check out the, the Sweet Heat podcast, Sweet Heat with Jeff and Rusty. It's a sex boat, whatever that means. <laughs> uh, where can we find you on social media? At Rusty underscore John or at Sweet Heat Cast. That's, that's John as J-A-W-N for those of you poor enough to not live in Philadelphia <laughs> and not know our uh, our una adjective that applies to all things. We're in things. the dictionary, baby. That's right. Actually, wait, it's a noun. Yeah, that's right. You wouldn't say someone's Johnny. It's, it's a una noun. English lesson at the end, baby. Follow me on social media. Sweet Heat, right. Rusty John. And follow me at Jesse Dram on all the things. Share, like, subscribe this podcast. We only have so many episodes left, and I don't know what I'm doing after. I have an idea, but I don't want you guys to leave me. I'm sure a uh, writer.